and I feel I would feel awful like if when it was me that no I wouldn't feel bad about that (laughs) welcome to oversharing with the overbees I'm Joe and I'm Matt and each week you can tune in to hear us respond to your voicemails go in depth on our lives as content creators and hopefully leave you feeling even better than when we found you with that being said let's get to oversharing we don't have our mic stands today no no they were a little bit too uh Intense to break down and put back up. Also, they're super finicky. So if I touch them at all, like yeah. it ruins them. So if you are watching on YouTube, you see that we changed our setup. We're over on the other wall. I feel like we have better light over here. Really? Do. Yeah. It's better light. Uh, I still want to be set up on a completely different space, but I don't know that we'll ever do that. Just yeah. We're on the opposite like sides too. I've yeah. been on the right hand side where I've been... Right hand side of the video. Is that weird for you? Yeah. Do we need to switch? I'm just, I'm working a completely different direction here. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole like, like left brain, right brain thing. It's just all. I don't know if I'm an ambidextrous podcaster. I may only be able to podcast from the right. You know, I. Stage right, I guess. That's fair. So. That's totally fair. Time will tell. Time will tell. You guys can let us know. And y'all did let us know. Oh, we got to talk to uh first week on our own and uh you guys liked the music change so shout out to uh, ryan story yeah dj ryan story he's the best he is who did our music and uh, you guys also were quick to let me know that matt's mic was a little soft so we're up a notch today yeah hopefully that's a little better we're also going to have him hold the mic a little closer because something he does is during our audio check, he holds the mic like against his mouth. And then when he the records, microphone. he holds the mic like. Wow. That was a, that was a dramatization. Yeah. It's not that dramatic, it. but even a few inches makes a big difference in audio levels. So that's what she said. That's what? Well, okay. <laughs> I can get there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Even a few inches makes a difference in audio levels. Well, I, I that's why that's I what she said. You said audio oh, levels. okay. Even if you d- inches makes a difference. That's, that's what I was jumping on. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Fair. Great Honestly, one. didn't even hear the audio levels part. Talked right over you. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's just, it's just that kind of day. <sighs> it is that kind of day. So what have we been up to? We are in full blown Thanksgiving preparation mode. And this episode is airing the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I am hoping praying just sending all my love and thoughts to myself (laughs) in hopes that the day that you are listening to this my house is ready my family has shown up everybody is healthy yeah and everybody is fed you know what's really odd thanksgiving feels mentally to me like it's still far away but i know this podcast comes out very soon yeah and they're a day apart. So I don't know how to... That's just my brain is no, not justifying the two. Yeah, it's not far away at all. Two it's not It's equally. not even a week away. Yeah. To me, the holiday is like, oh, we got we got days and days and days. And like the podcast is like, this comes out soon. Yeah. That's just my brain. Days and days and days. That's interesting. So you just feel like you have all the time in the world to get everything ready. Uh, I think I just feel more prepared. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like I I feel like I have a better 
That doesn't make any sense that I feel like I have a better grasp of what we need for Thanksgiving than what I do for... Okay. What have you prepared for Thanksgiving? Fill the people in. I have been working on, well, the beautiful curtain that is behind us. Mm -hmm. I've been hanging curtain tracks. Yeah. I have several more to hang. Um, And they're they're a little bit of a challenging solo job. They're pretty long. So you got to... You did a really good job. I did purchase a Crossline laser and like I should have bought one years ago, if not years ago, at least months ago when we were doing like things like the gallery wall. If we had a self-leveling laser that we could have just hung pictures on the wall, like Mm -hmm. can you imagine how much faster your dad and I would have hung? Yeah. I still have all that video footage. I meant to make a TikTok out of that. That was funny. It was hilarious watching them measure and do all this. I mean, it is level. Oh yeah, no, no, it looks great. We did, we did succeed. Just, it would have been a little faster. Yeah, had it not been with the ruler and the level. Yeah, like then they were using a short level. I don't think. Did you have the tall, like the long level? For uh, that? We did use the long level at one point. Okay, I feel like that's a game changer. A four foot level versus like a twelve inch level. Yeah, very different. A twelve inch level isn't actually that handy. <laughs> no. Maybe we did use the short level. Uh, you know what else you've done since the last time we talked? Fill me in. The shelf. Oh my gosh. We hung the floating shelf. And when I say the floating shelf, it is. it was 16 and a half feet long. We cut mm-hmm. her down to 14, mm-hmm. 14-ish feet. It's the kind that should really be hung with a bracket before the drywall ever goes up. Like it should have big steel brackets that go underneath the drywall and they just drywall around the pegs and then you slide the shelf onto the pegs and easy peasy everything goes together nicely um but instead we did it over the drywall with a steel bracket i had to go buy special like timber frame lag bolts and um yeah all kinds of stuff and then we tried to fit it and it didn't really go and then we drilled out some of the holes and it still didn't go. And then we drilled out all the holes and it did go. But now I kind of feel like I need to secure it a little bit extra. But even though it's pretty darn secure, it hasn't moved an inch since it's gone up. Wow. Our camera has gotten dark. Oh, wow. little sunshine change. I, that's the thing that I'm confused Clouds. about. You know what? It is what it is. Apparently even a slight cloud will wildly shift the video. Yeah. We're rocking and rolling. Just light's going to change today, I guess. Yeah. It's slowly working its way up our legs. It's moody, yeah. Yep. By the end of this podcast, we're just going to be a bright, overexposed disaster. We're going to look like angels. Ooh, mm. probably not because it's going to be coming at us, not behind us. Our, our faces won't be glowing? No, that's like a backlit thing. The angelic oh. look. What do we look like if we're just playing uh, the face? Squinty. Squinty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your like, face gets all munch, like mushed up? Yeah. And you're Got going it. like this. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do this week? Getting ready for Thanksgiving. So many things. Tell us. A Thank you for asking. Yes. I helped Matt put up the floating shelf. You did. I hardly helped Matt with the curtain tracks. You helped with one of them, kind of. We still have a lot of places to put curtain tracks currently. Mm-hmm. It should be in my Joe Learns to Host series on TikTok, though, because uh, we're going to put up tracks in the guest bedrooms and a few other places. We got the curtain track up in Gardner's bathroom, which we're going to very much use as a guest bathroom during Thanksgiving because people are staying in the other room that is attached G's bathrooms, Jack and Jill. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
we got that curtain track up, but we haven't figured out how we're going to hook the curtain in yet. Yeah. Well, it's it's a shower. The The track is for the shower curtain, not for like a window. So right, 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 it's got a little bit of a different, like they don't make a lot of shower curtains that have a way to use like drapery hooks. Yeah. Because you're trying to get the curtain up to or above the track. So right. like the thing about the tracks, the tracks we've got them mounted to the ceiling. And so there is like a, lots of draperies have hooks or ways to install hooks in them that they cover the track or they meet the track flush. Um, so you don't have just like, dangly stuff underneath the metal tracks because the metal tracks don't look bad but they're not like aesthetically well, the, pleasing they're not meant to be part of the aesthetic no they're meant to be hidden either like some people actually recess them in like they cut a channel and they lift them up in and then it doesn't really matter what you do mm-hmm. um you'll see that a lot of times in like hotels and stuff especially or they'll do like a valence where it covers the top of the curtains and the track or i've been noticing yeah. that a lot more since we put mm-hmm. the, these in like because yeah. it's funny as you renovate a house, it's the same way that like when you are interested in buying a car, you start seeing that car everywhere. Yeah. Same thing with house renovation, I feel like. Once we started making decisions, we started seeing that stuff everywhere. Yeah, or you're I like, did. oh, I recognize that tile. Oh, right. this flooring is from this place. Right, exactly. Oh, that's that brand of door. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, you see that everywhere. It's been interesting, but... You look at a new home build and you're like, oh... That's those are doors from such and such place. Like right. that's the exact style of door we went with. Or like, oh, we didn't pick that door, but we thought about it. Yeah, but I've noticed the valence. Yeah, I is think that that's the right term? Called. Like the cover, like they do like a plate over uh, them. Right. I was just making sure I mm-hmm. I pronounced I think that's it what a correctly. Is. But uh, I've noticed that a lot. And uh, anyway, so. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to DIY the top of the shower curtain in order to make drapery hooks work with it. Yeah. I could have ordered longer drapes that uh, like you could do drapery hooks with mm-hmm. them, but I really liked the, I got a waffle green, like a waffle fabric in a green. Yeah. Uh, and I liked the texture in the bathroom. So I think I'm going to be able to. Well, and it's meant to be a shower curtain. So right. it's got, a, it, not that it is the liner because like the liner actually protects, keeps the water in, but the shower curtain, like, Technically, if you had a, a really good fitting liner that really sealed up, you could put almost any curtain you wanted right. in front of the liner. But this shower curtain also can get wet and is going to be a little more durable. reliable, durable. Yeah. Well, and I also went with something relatively inexpensive. Yeah. Because I just didn't know. Well, I mean, yeah, we ordered it and it's like, is it going to look right? Like, because you got to worry about the length and the color and everything else. And we just haven't done this before. Maybe it's common. I have no idea. But I've never seen people take shower curtains to the ceiling. No. No. Um, usually they're on a, a tension rod. Or if you're lucky, a rod that's at least physically installed to the wall. So that's what I like about it is tension rods have always just sucked. Like mm-hmm. uh, I've been annoyed by them my whole life. And I've knocked many of them down. And like, it's just a matter of time till something goes wrong with a tension rod. And we could have gotten glass installed. That was an option. But I was really adamant we didn't get glass installed because we have a toddler. And you're if you're giving a toddler a bath, having glass and having to only work from like through the doorway or the slider or whatever it is just sounded. Yeah. You just want all the room you can get when it comes to giving a kid a bath. Yeah. Like, you need 
Well, at least with our kid. Our kid's a wild child. Well, and if she like fell over in the bathtub, I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be limited by. Yeah. So anyway, I really was adamant about doing a curtain instead. Yeah. I I like it. Like as, as good as it looks there, I'm like, oh, this, this is a great option. Yeah. So. We're, we're going to bring back the shower curtain. I don't think the shower curtain's <laughs> gone out. But as though it's I do feel like in a lot of like new builds and spec homes, they're doing glass. Mm-hmm. Well, glass looks great. It keeps the room feeling open. Yeah. So doesn't provide a lot of privacy typically, but that's not always what you're after. It does not. This is all true. I don't know. Just thoughts. Things that you don't think about initially when moving or renovating or building. There's just so many little details. The endless details. You can get as detailed as you want to get. Like I've learned so much about curtain tracks, which is I didn't really even think about anything other than curtain rods tell this house and i wanted to put curtain tracks in yeah mainly because i was like i mean it's an eight foot wall house so i wanted to make sure we had as long of draperies as we could which means getting it as tight to the ceiling as possible okay so i saw this as a discussion on tiktok the other day it was a real estate expert i did not look up any credentials of this person but somebody claiming to be a residential (laughs) like real estate expert uh on tiktok talking about how the dumbest thing people can do now is uh have a home with eight foot ceilings Hmm. and going on and on about how the only way to do it is to build 10 to 12 foot ceilings and uh throughout your home Mm -hmm. and i commented on it this was a few weeks ago and i said you know it's funny hearing somebody say this because we built a house we had the tall ceilings throughout uh, whatever it was like what our highest point of our ceiling was like 16 feet in our living room yeah 14, something like that it was vaulted feet. in the living room so there yeah. was a yeah it was 14 tall or 16 and i we moved into this house and i was really really worried yeah. because a lot of people had insinuated things similar to what this real estate expert was mm-hmm. saying that if i had eight foot ceilings i it like I was going to hate it, you know? Yeah, you're just like, it's never going to feel as big as a room with 10 foot ceilings. It's it's harder to style. And I will say it, like the thing is a, a nine or a 10 foot ceiling in a room does give you um, aesthetically, like I think it's just an easier style, like just to make a room feel big, to make a room feel like right. I think with an eight foot ceiling, you do have to be more intentional. See, I actually feel differently. Okay. I was going to say the opposite because we've moved into this house with eight foot ceilings and everything feels so much cozier. Mm-hmm. I feel like my furniture and not, co- I feel like cozy is such a, uh, well in real estate, if you're a real estate professional, cozy just means small. <laughs> right. And that's not what I mean. Uh, like everything just fits better. Homier. Yeah. Yeah. It feels homier it feels like i'm going into a bedroom it feels like and granted we do have nine foot ceilings in our kitchen and we yeah. have i don't know tall ceilings in our living room yeah they're we, like we carried the the vault of the roof through the living room yeah so, so we have plenty it goes eight feet on the edges up to 14 or 15 in the middle i think it's taller than that maybe 16 i'm not yeah. sure yeah it's tall yeah but i uh, I've loved, and I commented that. I was like, I have loved our eight foot ceilings. Mm-hmm. And people commented back to me and were like, you just have never lived in a house with higher than eight feet. Eight, <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't speak. Eight foot ceilings. So you don't understand. And I grew up in a house that had 10 foot throughout. 
Oh, I thought the bedrooms were eight. Mm, no, I think they're nine. Are they? I think the bedrooms are nine. The hallways are The 10. hallways are tall. Uh, and I don't know if the kitchen's 10 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. The main areas are, are tall. Yeah. But one interesting thing about it is heating and cooling. Uh, when you have 10 foot ceilings, you have 25% more air volume in your house right. that you need to condition. Like the, the lower your ceiling is, the less air in your house needs to be conditioned. So right. like there's actually an impact on efficiency and all that stuff by having a lower ceiling random but i just thought it was a really interesting conversation about ceilings because i think it really spoke to how you have all these real estate experts and you have these people in the industry out there one speaking to people about their homes in a way that they should view their home as an investment not a home yeah which i don't like and number two i thought it was interesting because you had somebody speaking like you could never love your home the same way with eight foot ceilings versus nine or 10 foot ceilings. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's kind of putting this, like that dialogue in theory, it was kind of putting a burden on people because you go to nine to 10 foot ceilings because that's what the real estate expert told you. And now you're having to look at bigger furniture, bigger bills, like yeah. and a, and a bunch of other and not that it's not nice like it, it may hold that much value to you it absolutely adds it does add a scale like right it, it changes the scale of a room i think it makes a smaller room feel bigger yeah absolutely to have a higher ceiling. like you can have a 10 by 10 room with 10 foot ceilings and it's going to feel way bigger than a 10 by 10 with eight foot ceilings absolutely that said it depends on what you're going for feel too like in a large room with high ceilings it can make it feel just like a cave Right. Just cavernous. You're like, what do I do with this space? It's an unbelievable amount of space. So in in certain rooms in our house, it, it does as a big solid to have eight foot walls. Some of the smaller rooms, then you have to be much more intentional in your furniture, more intentional in your design. But that's where you start bringing in the bigger windows and like things to bring in because a lot of it is light too. Mm-hmm. It's like the high ceilings just by default give you more space and more light and if we were building we would have gone 10 foot ceilings yeah probably well probably nine at least really i could see nine foot in like the bedrooms okay i just assumed we would have gone 10 foot throughout maybe that's probably because like if you're talking new build why not yeah i guess so but i have loved our eight foot ceilings that's all Mm -hmm. that's all i was getting at is i really really like it it's in all the bedrooms and everything and it just feels Anything past eight foot is a good. pain to get curtains for. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that is a really good point. At least if you're going to hang from the ceiling. Yeah. But even not, you're still like, you need to be, make sure you're getting your eight foot, like whatever it is. 108 inches isn't that hard to find, which would be a nine foot ceiling. Okay. Yeah, fair. But I, I don't know that I've found anything. I feel like if it's 10 foot ceilings, you're looking at custom. Mm-hmm. But... Anyway, these are all things to think about. Consider if you're doing a home renovation or if you're moving, if you're about to buy. This has been Curtin and Wall Talk. If you're about to rent a new house, anything really. Sure. I don't know. I find it very interesting. Mm -hmm. But Matt's done a ton of research on the tracks and we really like them. So that's a big move. Highly recommend Curtin Tracks. I am really pleasantly surprised about how they changed our space. Yeah, and they give it a little bit more of a modern look. They're very low profile, and uh, I think they function really well. Yeah. So. Okay, what else have I been doing to prep for Thanksgiving? That's what I need to get back to. Yeah. 
I help Matt with the shelf. I have ordered a bunch of bake ware. Yeah, we got a bunch of glass dishes. Yeah. Like glass pans. I've been trying to get all the groceries kind of in order and ready. Mm -hmm. We secured the turkey. Uh, We haven't gotten the prime rib yet, but we'll do that probably tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Actually, probably not tomorrow. Day after tomorrow. But uh, anyway, long story short, we kind of have a to-do list going and things are feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yeah, no, I'm feeling very solid on the, the food and all the prep in that space, so... It's going to be a lot of people. Yeah. Did you have traditional Thanksgiving the way that I did growing up? Like where you stayed with a bunch of family? Um, so we mostly stayed just with my mom's sister. We'd alternate years. They'd come to us. We'd go to them. Um, so it would be my mom's sister, sometimes her brother. And uh, that was mostly who was at the Thanksgiving holidays. Okay. We just always had a ton of family staying at the house. Yeah, for us, it was probably less than 10. Yeah. I just know that Matt and I are both from families who their family lives all over the country. I'm shifting. We're going to hit Greg's Reads of the Week. Let's do it. Because I liked this week. I thought they were fun. He's been firing them out. He's been firing out articles. I don't know what he's been doing. We're getting four or five articles a day. Yeah. I'm like, I, I only picked five. Yeah. So. That's good, though. It lets us get a little selection. Okay, scales one to five. We're going to rank these on how anxious they make us. Yes, and Greg is uh, your dad. Yeah, Greg is my dad. So he sends us articles. We may or may not read them. Typically not. But then we just... Don't say typically not. Okay, I typically do not because I'm not a good reader. Not good about reading. I can read. Fine. I have the skill. I don't have the attention span. I read, I would say, 80% of what he sends us. That's awesome. I read maybe 8%. That's really sad. And honestly, I don't like that at all. It makes me feel kind of bad. Okay. Are you ready for the first one? I'm so ready. Okay. New year, healthier brain. 10 ways to keep your brain sharp. Mm. Not very much anxiety. No anxiety for me. Yeah, this was totally readable to me. Yeah, what'd you learn? I don't remember. Oh, that is say. part of the problem is as you asked me that, I started to get confused with an article that I did not screenshot for this uh, about anxiety and I can't remember which one had which tips. Is it the one about medication? No. No. Okay. No. Uh, but I didn't include that one in here. So then I can't even. Yeah, we can't even reference that one back. Yeah. Okay, I really liked this one. We had okay. a lot of no anxiety articles this week for me. Yeah, yeah. But they were many of them were centered on anxiety. That's true. Are you ready? Oddly enough. Classic 1947 Chevrolet 3100 returns as an electric truck. Fox News. I mean, zero? Zero anxiety. All the excitement for me. Yeah? Yeah, because just the other day, Matt and I were in the parking lot of TJ Maxx. Mm-hmm. And there was an old Forerunner. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah. from what, the early 2000s? Well, maybe late 90s. I was going to say maybe even the late 90s. Late 90s forerunner. Yeah. And it was cool. And I said, you know what I wish more companies did? Is bring back old body styles with brand new interior. Yeah. So you could drive like a vintage car, but it was all brand new inside. Mm-hmm. It was all brand new, period. But it had like the old vibe. All the, all the 
the nice accessories of today's vehicles. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Like, right? It would be cool. I think that it would. But anyway, so I was excited about this because it looks pretty sick. Yeah. Is it just like renderings or ideas right now? Yeah, it's just renderings right now. But I hope they actually do it. Yeah, I remember your dad was like, oh, we could probably do this, Matt. And I was like, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I might cars are not my expertise. He's much more a, a car guy, knowledgeable about the workings of cars. Right. You know, like cars. I appreciate cars. Yeah. But like I wouldn't say I'm a, a car head guy. Like Yeah. Like I like the look of a car and then I'm like, very cool. Yeah. All right. A Goldilocks climate at home could protect you from COVID this winter. Fortune. A Goldilocks what? Climate. Climate. Well, no anxiety, but I am intrigued. It was like a two out of five for me. Okay. Just like every winter that the last couple years we've been entering in and it's felt kind of nerve wracking with COVID and all that. I think I had some feelings about that. Well, just like, like whatever bugs, like any, right? like, you know, whatever sicknesses are going around because, right. that, you know, it's happening again. Yeah. Uh, but I did read this one and it was all about how keeping the humidity in your house between 30 and 50% is ideal in... Uh, uh lowering spread rate of hmm. sickness gotcha so it was pretty cool it was interesting we do keep ours north of 30 typically yep i don't, I don't have a humidification system but yeah i the humidity impacts me a lot yeah yeah that may be something we add at some point is humidification to our is that normal like does humidity impact you that much I think humidity affects a lot of people and they just don't know it. Okay. Like the the difference between a room that's 70 degrees and with 20% humidity and a 70 degrees with 50% humidity is, is a lot relative humidity, by the way. But well, it makes a big difference to me. Like when the mm-hmm. humidity starts to shift seasonally, I have a really hard time. It messes with me. Yeah. So yeah, like in the summer, a humid room will feel warmer right like but in the winter you actually want that so if it's in the mid 60s but you've got good humidity in a room it's going to feel as good as a room that's low 70s but dry 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 okay what is toxic positivity the harmful coping mechanism explained oh yeah i i saw this one come through where your dad learned about what toxic positivity was this gave me no anxiety but dad's accompanying text uh did make me angry (laughs) uh he texted and something along the line said i'm not sure i understood what this is prior to this article great Mm -hmm. read and i had a moment where i wanted to throw my phone through a wall i did i can see that because you've talked about it many times yeah this is something that i talk about a lot a lot a lot a lot and i feel like my family is a little guilty of toxic positivity. Well, I think it's a very much a, a typical, like there is toxic positivity in that there are people that that is like their main approach. But I think everyone right. can be guilty of a touch of toxic positivity. Absolutely. If, if what you're just trying to do is dismiss something by pushing through it with a positive comment saying, right. oh, well, it'll get, you know, what, you know, right. just be happy about this. Yes. And I think that this is something I really struggled with in high school and college, just in relationships and friendships. We kind of got into me talking about friends last week Mm -hmm. 
And this is something I struggled with because I think I dismissed a lot of the people around me by being just toxically positive. Anyway, I uh, have really worked through this a lot and I've talked about it with people a lot that sometimes things that you think you're saying that are really like uplifting or positive or mm-hmm. hopeful can make other people feel like very, very dismissed. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't even have to be with the intention of dismissing them. It's just if you don't acknowledge the difficulty and just say, well, you know, everything has a silver lining. Right. And I did read the article. The article was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and dad was right. It, it explained it very well, very clearly. Uh, it was very concise. And I understand why it was a good one and why he sent it. But I just felt that frustration of like, what, what am I saying? That right. It's not getting what I've been talking about. through to anybody. Yeah. yeah. But again, that's more a me issue than sure. anything else. All right. Last one. And I thought this was pretty funny. I did screenshot the accompanying text. At Thanksgiving dinner, avoid politics and discuss these five timely financial questions instead. <laughs> it gave me no anxiety. I would rather talk politics. Yeah, I <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd rather. So I... I this gave me no anxiety because it came with an accompanying text that said, I guess we've already had these conversations over the years, so we'll just have to drink, eat, and be happy. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so I funny. thought that was sweet and funny. It was. I liked it. Yeah. And that article was from Market Watch. I would be really curious what kind of uh, articles everybody else is getting from their families. Yeah. Maybe it's just all the same ones. You think? Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Wouldn't that be wild? That would be funny. I doubt it. So. All right. You ready to hop into voicemails for today? Well, do you not want to l- learn a word this week? <gasps> oh, we forgot last week. I'm excited. We did. Okay. We did. We had a lot to talk about and just blazed right through it. Okay. 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 I'm so ready. Word of the week. <sighs> I'm familiar with prognosticate. No. Prognosticate. 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 Well, there's like prognosis, like how you something's going to turn out. When I say that, I feel like I'm saying prognate. prognate. Like when people say pregnant like that, preg, oh, pregnant. Prog, prognat, preg, I don't know how they say it. You're not saying anything that seems like pregnant. <laughs> so. But you know how people say it like... Weird? Yeah. Not really, but not I'm going to roll with it. It's like whenever I say receipt, recipit. Sure. It's yeah, like, they intentionally like... Yes. Put a little flair on it. Okay, say it again for me. Prognosticate. Prognosticate. To foretell or prophesy an event in the future. So the economists were prognosticating financial Armageddon. I prognosticate that Thanksgiving is going to be a really enjoyable time. Yeah. Just like forecasting, predicting. Okay. So there you go. Prognosticate. Prognosticate. That one's big. I don't know if I'm going to be able to like maintain that in my brain. You're not going to be able to just slide that in there. Yeah. Prognosticate. Do I need to go back to like two syllable... So could, can can I like have prognosticated? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be the past tense. Okay. You I prognosticated this was going to happen. Yeah. yeah okay. That would make you a prognosticator. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a flow, is it? It's not like a flows off the tongue It's word. a chunky word. Yeah. It's got, it's got some bumps. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you really open your mouth a lot. Your Prog- jaw's working you say like it's like just bouncing around yeah so okay prognosticate all right can you well, spell it p-r-o-g-n-o-s-t-i-c-a-t-e 
Okay. Prognosticate. Prognosticate. Okay. Prognosticate. Sometimes it helps me to see it. Yeah. Prognosticate. And if you're watching on YouTube, that word will be on the screen with definition. So. There you go. All right. It's voicemail time. It's voice. We have so many. Like, I feel like we're never going to catch up on voicemails. Yeah. That's where, again, we got to. We're going to have to start batching them. Yeah, but okay, or here we, we go. we got to start like releasing an all voicemail episode. I know, that would be fun. Yeah. If you guys want to hear that, let us know. Hi, Matt and Joe. Uh, my name's Erin. I'm a first-time caller, long-time follower. I just finished the end of the beginning episode, and I just wanted to thank you guys for speaking on uh, and answering that question about the Roe v. Wade and all of that. I know... As an influencer, it must be so scary to talk about, you know, those very political and very opinionated subjects. And I think that you guys spoke on it beautifully. And when you guys talked about, you know, living in Arkansas and not wanting to leave to do better for the community and to help educate and to have those conversations and fight for the people that can't fight it made me cry like I'm about to cry now because uh, I live in a very small town in a very red state and I often feel you know like an outsider and I worry about the culture that I'm raising my children in and it just kind of reignited the spark that I have for my community and really makes me want to like dig in and do some good around the community so thank you so much for sharing that in that perspective I really enjoy the show and I hope you guys keep it coming thank you Okay, I'm crying. Oh, yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> wow, thank you. Cause really, really nice. It, it, I completely agree. It's really nerve-wracking speaking on it because it's not so much that I question my personal beliefs, convictions, opinions, mm-hmm. anything like that. I feel really strongly. But I, I feel like whenever you communicate about things online, there's no tone I mean, on the podcast, I guess there is a tone, sure. which yeah. which gives me more opportunity. But I often feel like there's no tone on a lot of spaces that you're creating and you're having all these dialogues in comment sections or via DM. And I feel like we often lose touch of we're talking to people, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it is hard, but I also think it's really important. And so that, wow, that made me also cry i'm trying really hard right now not to cry so um because <laughs> it's not you. good for podcasting yeah. yeah but i mean that's the thing is like in a smaller community like that is like where you know a lot of people and you get close with people whether or not you agree with their politics a lot of times um that's where you can make a difference too is where you can be an example of like hey see i'm not like a terrible person and i don't have the same beliefs as you and well, and you kind of bridge a gap there. I wholeheartedly believe, I don't know if I talked on this last week, but I don't think at the root of it, very many of us feel that differently at the yeah. root. Like when you look at what we want for people, what we want for ourselves, what we want for ourselves, what we want for people. I, I don't think it's that different. I think a lot of times people just don't, have as broad of a perspective Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes we forget that having a broad perspective and being able to see things from a lot of people's different points of view and being exposed to a lot of different cultures and people is a privilege that you've experienced um a lot of times not Mm -hmm. always but i uh i don't know 
it, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard well, to navigate. We always have to remind ourselves just because it's a viewpoint that we don't agree with doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong for them or wrong in general. Like sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm not saying on everything. <laughs> I I'm know, just saying, but like we try to, we really do try to be like, that's not how we would do it. That's not how we think it should be done. But we don't choose everything for everybody. And if yeah. that's working for them, then I guess that's working for them. Totally. Totally. All right. Here we go. Hey, y'all. I just wanted to call and ask y'all if y'all, do y'all plan on expanding your family? Is that something y'all would like to do with more children, pets, anything? And if Gardy ever asked when she was older, like, hey, mom and dad, can I get X animal or whatever? Would that be something that y'all would let her do? Or would that be like a, let's wait? Or what would be, how would you go about that? That's a great question. Yeah. So for me, I always thought I was going to be the parent that was like, yes, let's adopt a thousand dogs. (laughs) And now I'm an adult and I'm like, I am not that parent. No, you really aren't. Absolutely not. You have the heart for it, but like, I don't know that you have the follow through to like care for a thousand animals. No. Yeah. No, I I don't. Like you, I'm not sure you have the heart to say no. No. But I would would very much have to be confident that G was old enough, capable enough and dedicated enough to do that caretaking herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it would not be you who absorbed that caretaking. No. And I feel, I would feel awful like if... When it was me. That, no, I wouldn't feel bad about that. (laughs) No, I would feel awful if the animal is getting the short end of the stick of that situation. Yeah, we've actually had that feeling with our own dog. Not that anything terrible has been happening with them. Like Like, what? But like as things have been chaotic here like this week and prepared for Thanksgiving and all this stuff, like, you know, like we haven't been as on top of letting them out and all this stuff and like their feeding schedule has been really It's been really cold and it's been snowy here and so they haven't gotten their normal walks and their normal like... Yeah, the walks have been shorter or like off schedule and yeah. And they're fine. They're they're great. They're literally sleeping like right behind the camera. Yeah, they're hanging out with us right now. But I, yeah, I guess that is true. But I I think that's, but I don't have a problem. I I don't, I, I do have some... You know, I don't know. I shouldn't say I have hard lines because I was going to say I don't want to do rodents. I don't want to do uh, amphibians. Yeah. I don't want to do snakes. Like, but it's not uh, like if G was like really, really passionate about it mm-hmm. and she really leaned in and wanted it. Yeah. I would probably learn and You're do. just hesitant. Do I? You're just hesitant about those yeah. animals. Yeah. I personally well it's just i don't want to do it yeah you don't like those animals as pets in your home i was about to say (laughs) really really keep going with that sentence Mm -hmm. because again qualifications it doesn't bother me i'd like the thing is when people are passionate about things i actually follow a couple different creators online who like do reptile rescue and all rehabilitation and all this stuff it's fascinating Mm -hmm. to me and i really enjoy because they're really passionate about it and they teach you a lot about it and I have a lot of respect for it, but it's not for my household. <laughs> what? Just the way you ended it. Not for my household. Well, I shouldn't say household. Not for me personally. Yes. Because again, yeah. like what if she turns 10 and she's super passionate about... Geckos. Gecko rehabilitation. Yeah. 
and she wants to start fostering and rehabilitating geckos. What a tough place to have geckos would be here. It's like <laughs> they, it gets a little chilly for geckos here, but well, I just you know yeah, something like I, that. I, I get it, what you're saying. I would be on board to her learning about that and doing that. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to take part in it. Yeah, but I do see us getting more pets probably eventually yeah my my thought on this is that really there's a caveat to what animals we're bringing in and i'm not thinking like a rodent snakes thing i'm thinking like we don't have room for horses we don't have room no i don't really want to care for goats things of the large i've been having a really big pull lately for a big dog you have you have been interested in big dogs since having a little more yard a little well, I think that's part of it. And I also think I like the idea of having a bigger dog just for like feeling safe. Yeah. It makes me feel safe. I see. Again, as someone who's had a bigger dog, I don't feel like they actually made me any safer. But Well, they do if you go through training for that. Well, sure. Okay. And we would Good probably point. go through. My, my friend Caroline, her Dalmatian's gone through training and everything. And they're like it, it's trained. Yeah. You know, like Frankie is, she is trained. And so that's what I would. That makes a difference for sure. Right. That's what I'm in. I'm not envisioning like a big version of Oko. Well, that would be a useless dog. <laughs> I love him dearly, but just dumber than a box of rocks. Our uh, our youngest dog is just the dopiest of all time. He's cute and really sweet and really dumb. Okay. What about you on the pets? Like I said, just the caveat of like what animals, like I don't want to do livestock. I guess I'm probably like the the dogs and cat. I think that's a good approach though, is to be like, are you going to be active in the process or are we just taking care of animals that you like in the moment? Right. So I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, it's not really fair to the animal or to us. Right. Or the child, because I don't feel like they learn anything from that. No. And life is about lessons and building Life character. is about learning, yeah. not enjoyment. Yeah, if you don't learn something, what what are you even doing? What is it, for fun? No, in my opinion, like, that's a really good opportunity to have a child go and volunteer or, like, you know, learn about stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Hi, you guys. My name is Deirdre. Um, I have been listening to you guys from our very first episode. I know there's not too many out right now. But I absolutely love listening to you guys. I'm actually a wedding photographer, and that's how I found Joe on TikTok a while ago. And I kind of watched as she blew up through social media. And I've just kind of been watching her journey. So it's awesome to kind of listen to you guys. Um, I listen to you guys on my way to my weddings and on my way back from my weddings when I really struggle uh, trying to stay awake <laughs> uh, late at night. But anyway, I just wanted to kind of ask you guys um, how, I guess this question is really just for Joe. How did you kind of switch over um, being a full-time wedding photographer into doing social media? And at any point, were you ever doing a full-time job before wedding photography? I'm thinking about you know, switching and quitting my full-time job and just doing wedding photography. Right now, I am shooting about 20 to 25 weddings a year on top of my other job. Um, So I'm wondering when I should switch. Um, I really enjoy being able to have that extra money and use my wedding money, just put it back into my business and use it as fun money. So I would love to hear your opinion. Thanks. 
girl, you're working like two and a half full-time <laughs> jobs. Ooh, wow. That is a, yeah, that's a real... 20 to 25 weddings is... That's, that's a full-time schedule, or it yeah. can be mm-hmm. uh, for a wedding photographer. I, I would say first and foremost, I think the hardest detail about this that I don't have that makes it hard to give advice is I don't know what you are charging for weddings. Yeah, what you're priced. Um, But pending where your prices are, my first piece of advice for everybody is always raise your prices. Uh, I was say, sounds very competitive right now. Sounds y- like you're booking, so... Yeah. Well, and maybe not. Maybe you're just really good, you know, Uh, which is also totally possible. But a a lot of people that I talk to when they're doing it on the side and they have a full-time job to rely on, they haven't set their prices around their cost of living. They haven't set their prices around some of that stuff that you need to take into consideration. And uh, understandably, and then all of a sudden they leave their job and they realize, oh, charging $2,400 for an eight hour day, that sounds like I'm making a ton of money until you put in the 80 to 120 hours I put in outside of that 40 hours, you know, and now all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm making $8 an hour, $10 an hour. And now I'm, I'm totaling in, uh, health insurance. I'm totaling in, uh, liability insurance. I, my equipment, my editing software that I pay for monthly gas, you know, Mm -hmm. you start doing the math and you're like, Oh, I'm making $4 an hour, you know, (laughs) and then I'm paying self-employment tax anyway. So long story short, the first thing that I would do is make sure that you have your pricing structure based on what your cost of living is so that you can not just, like survive, but actually thrive, uh, being self-employed full-time. And if you feel like you have a really good handle on that, um, using that full-time job in order to, it sounds like this is what you're already doing, you know, really create a good cushion of savings and stuff. So you can take that dive. I did work full-time before I took wedding photography full-time. Uh, and after a October, where I had my 40 hour a week full-time gig. And then I had, I think two or three weddings plus 25 portrait shoots or something like that. I don't remember. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And at the end of the month, I, 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 what year was that? 17, 2017. Yeah. Is that right? We got engaged in 2017. That doesn't sound right. 2016. I think I left my job in February of 2017. So in 2016, and I, I thought I was going to die. Like in November, I was like, did I die last month? Is that what happened? <laughs> uh, and Matt didn't live. Help. Like we didn't live together at that time. And so I just worked. I worked like constantly. Yeah. That was part of your, your night walker time. Yeah. And so I... But then you had to go to a job in the day. So look at your pricing, figure that out. And then the other question that you asked me was how did I transition between photography and content creation? And I feel like really what I was doing is I was already transitioning out of wedding photography whenever I started uh, content creation. I was going toward doing business education and photography education for photographers. Answering questions like this was my goal and really Mm -hmm. getting to foster creatives and creating really thoughtful and sustainable businesses that took care of them and their clients. 
And so I was teaching workshops and I was sharing some of that information. And so for me, it was this really natural ebb and flow because I was already moving out of sharing my work and sharing more about myself in order to hopefully book more clients as a business coach. Uh, And then I had my start on TikTok during all that time. And so I kind of turned away from sharing business content because if I didn't have to do that, that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily what the dream was. That was kind of an in-between for me. Uh, And uh, yeah, I just kept posting more and more about my personal life and about things that I wanted to share and the community I wanted to cultivate and uh, more about why I felt drawn to sharing and creating. And it just kind of organically happened. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd very much agree. So you you knew that wedding photography wasn't it for you permanently. Like uh, just you, you enjoyed it for a time and then I think you kind of burned out on it, which can happen, especially when you do as much as you did. Yeah, 20 to 25 is a perfect number full time. Really nice I highly recommend spot. not going over 35. Like that's a hard number. I yeah. would never, ever, ever surpass for full time shooting weddings. I shot... 48 one year and 52 another year and that was the dumbest thing i've ever don't do that yeah it's because it's really it's really hard to say no to the paycheck like so hard in the moment you're like well i'm doing 34 why can't i do 35 i'm doing 35 why can't i do 36 and that's that's a justification you have to make for yourself but like it it adds up a lot the more once you get past that 30, 35 mark, because all of a sudden you aren't recharging. You don't have that time because you are working again. Right. All right. Do we want to do one or two more? We have to commit right now. Let's do two. Hey, Matt and Joe. Uh, first of all, I am obsessed with your podcast. I listen to it every week. It's kind of the best part about my Wednesdays. Um, I have a question about work. Um, I've worked a job for about two years now that I just really love, um, but I'm starting to feel kind of beat down, um, uninterested, and kind of stuck. What do you suggest um, doing? There's not much room for growth in this job or position um, just because it's mostly kind of self-employed type of employment while still being under an employer. Um, And so kind of the ways that I'm able to grow, I am a little bit stuck in. Um, So just kind of curious of any advice on that. And then also advice on kind of building your social media. Definitely social media platforms would help me kind of with new clients and things in this job. So just any sort of advice, Joe, that you can give on that. Again, really love your podcast. Thank you guys so much. Why don't you take it off? Ooh, interesting. So it sounds like it's freelance-esque mm-hmm. without knowing what the job is specifically. It's a right. little difficult to know kind of the directions you can take it, like without knowing what field it's in. It's hard to know what fields are adjacent or what you could translate to possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be a good thing to research, say, I mean, if that if it's a skill set that could be used in a different job that has more opportunity for growth. Um it doesn't hurt you at all to start exploring those options. Um, and yeah, it, but if it's really what you want to be doing and you want to scale it or do it yourself or branch out to other clients, yeah, that's um, social media is a great way to do that. I think the most important thing whenever you start feeling like this in a job, especially a job that you've loved for years, is to 
really, whether for you this is writing it down or just spending some time thinking or talking with a loved one, someone that you trust, figure out what are you not enjoying? Because is it the job itself or is it the time commitment? Is it the, you know, to-do list or like what tasks you're having to do? Or is it a person that you're having to interact with? Or um, really honing in on that can help. So mm. I think that's where I would start. Uh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Like, just uh, without knowing more about the job specifically, just say, or, or it could just be a phase that you're in. It could be something going on in your life completely outside of your job that's got you feeling a, some kind of way. Right. And I, I feel like if it's a job that you've really loved, sometimes we grow out of things though. And it's okay to have really loved yeah. how it functioned for you for a couple years and be ready to go out completely on your own or mm. whatever it is. As for social media, my, my biggest advice to anybody who is wanting to use social media in order to advertise freelance work or anything that they do is don't be afraid to put your face out there and allow people to get to know you. Uh, truly, just be transparent with people. Talk about why you're doing what you're doing and what your goals are. And you'll be shocked at how people really rally around that. Yeah, yeah. The the hope is that it reaches people that are interested in what you're doing. Yeah, and and I think they're out there. And so sometimes it's sharing your work, you know, like with photography. Yeah. Sometimes it's sharing your photos, but I feel like more times than not, it's sharing why photography for you and why you love creating for your clients and really letting people get to know you because then they're excited to work with you, not just mm-hmm. the product that you or the service that you provide. Yeah. Last one. All right. Hi, guys. Uh, My name is Tori Hines. And unlike some of your other listeners, um, I'm actually from your hometown. I am from Nixa. Um, I graduated in 2012 and my husband did in 2011. So anyways, that's pretty cool. I'm also a photographer. Um, We now live in Virginia, but I wanted to hop on for a quick second. And um, first of all, I love Great Danes. We are actually on our fourth Great Dane. He's currently 11 weeks old. So if you guys ever have any insight or have any questions um, or anything, I know you guys had mentioned that previously. I cannot recommend the breed enough. Um, We have two kids, so they are amazing. We absolutely love Great Danes. So that was one thing. Um, My question is more for Joe, and you've maybe touched on this in your other podcast, but I haven't made it all the way through that one. So if you did, I apologize. But um, I know that you quit shooting. um, And I guess my question is, how have you found it with like, kind of keeping your identity um, for yourself with like, stopping shooting because I'm like I said I'm a photographer we have kids I stay home with them um and like just how do you maintain keeping something for yourself I guess and keeping your identity and balancing and everything so anyways I'd love to hear your thoughts thanks guys I love listening to you and keep it up hometown rep wow do you know who that is um I need a picture Okay. But probably not. I feel like Tori, I don't know half the people I graduated with. Tori, we're with, probably so. going to look you up on the internet and oh. see if we recognize you. But uh, this is a really interesting question. One, Great Danes, thanks for the rec. I really want one. As for the identity part of your question, I, I think that that is something I've worked through. And I think photography specifically, are, well, you know what? I think this can go for any job. Yeah. Is just culturally, we really want to put people in a box. 
So like Matt's an engineer <laughs> and, uh, you know, my dad's a business, business guy, man. a corporate girly. Uh, there it and, is, yeah. <laughs> corporate girl boss, Greg yeah. Johnson. And, uh, you know, my sister's a teacher and my other sister's a nurse and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, like my mom's a stay at home mom. We, we really like to Your put people. Your mom's unemployed. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> like, I, I feel like we like to put people in these boxes. And I think that's what you have to cut ties from is not allowing yourself to feed into what we naturally do because I thought other people were putting me in a box mm-hmm. and they are and they do and they're going to and, yeah. and there's no escaping that but you don't have to be a part of it. That's true. You don't have to also put yourself in that box. You're multifaceted and you have all kinds of interests and things that bring you joy and uh I think it's just really important to remember that. I think that it's also one of those things that that's where we end up feeling stuck is photography may not be bringing you as much fulfillment as it used to. And all of a sudden you're feeling this big draw to get into cross stitching. I don't know. And you don't want to do it though, because you've built this really successful reputation at photography and you're like, well, I barely know anything about cross-stitching. People won't take me seriously. But when you look back, there was a time that people didn't take you seriously with photography either. And so it's all just part of the journey. And you don't have to always be the best or the like most well-known or the you know biggest and baddest. It's true. And I think coming to terms with that and really thinking about it often helps. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I do think that's something that happens, especially in a creative field, because it does take a little bit more out of you. Like, I think there's a little bit more of an art to it. Like, as an engineer, I don't know that, like, you know, I don't know, someone would be like, that's a Matt Orby design right there. Like, that's that's not as much of a factor. So I think there's a little element of creative fields having more of their identity tied up in their work, because there is. There's a, there's a signature to it. Um but like you said, it's, it's not all of who you are. You're not all of anything. Culturally, I think uh, in this country, we, we identify ourselves by our jobs a little bit too much um, rather than our lives being supported I by our jobs. I completely agree. And the more you can tie back into what, am I, what do I really care about? That's something I've had to work on because I don't have an engineering job anymore. I don't have someone telling me eight to nine hours a day, this is what we need and how we're doing it and all that stuff. So... Um, yeah, the, the more you can get in touch with what your interests are, whether that is photography or not, um, the better. And realize that you're not valued by your interests. Yeah. Or your job. Yeah. It's easier said than done though. It yeah. takes time and practice. It's, it's really easy advice to give. It's, it's harder to live. Yeah, for sure. All right. You know, you guys know where to find us on the internet. Yep. All of our, uh, what am I trying to say? Handles. Handles and all that stuff are down below. Uh, catch us next week. We're hopefully going to have a better lighting situation. Oh my next gosh. Week we better. That or we're just going to have to record it at night where it's. As we've stable. been filming this, I've been watching the light on that and I'm like, oh yeah, it's time to order some I've been lights. putting my hand down here and my hand's just a glowy. Yeah. Glowy thing. Do, 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 do. We could do a whole hand show. Oh yeah. Ba, ba, ba. Anyway, uh, yeah, 
find us on Instagram, TikTok, follow along. We yeah. hope that you guys have a phenomenal holiday and we'll catch you in December. Come back for next week for more advice that's easy to give and harder to do. Yeah, big facts. Bye.